0: Good morning Northridge Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and um, hope that you are ready to worship. We hope that uh, you have been able to just uh, turn all of your attention to Jesus and to his grace and his mercy, his glory, his majesty. And are prepared in your heart to really worship Him and seek His face and, and adore Him. That's what we're here for. We're here to enjoy the presence of the Lord this morning. And so uh, we're glad that you're here with us. And, um, uh, and again, just prepare your hearts. Maybe that's what I just said doesn't describe you. Maybe you have had just a crazy hectic week the fears of what's going on in our world have just consumed you maybe you've, you've spent so much time in the news cycle that there's a lot of stress and anxiety well um, you don't have to to kind of forfeit what the lord wants to do in your life this morning because of that i am calling you right now by the by the authority of jesus and by the by the grace that is expressed and applied through the holy spirit i'm just calling you right now to just lay aside all of your burdens lay aside all of your labors come sit at his feet um, and just worship him rejoice in him glory in his presence and it's going to be a great morning for you to hear God's Word, to, for you to worship with God's people, for you to come to the table of the Lord and and remember Him and feast on Him. And so what I want to do is I just want to invite you uh, this morning to, to take your Bibles and we're going to have this opening Psalm, Psalm 30, as a call to worship. And um, I also want to remind you real quickly before we begin, we are... We're going to pray with you this morning like we had the last couple of weeks. And so if you have any prayer requests whatsoever, we want to, this is a time where, where we, do, we can't be together physically, so we want to lift each other up spiritually. If you have any prayer requests, will you just write those down right now in the comments? And we're going to be writing those down during worship so that we can pray with you when the time comes for prayer. So um, just uh, let's just settle our hearts right now and send her in. On this Psalm and, and ask the Lord to, uh, to be with us. This is what David writes in, in Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you've brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, but His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. You have clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I give thanks to you forever. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your enabling right now. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make us fully dependent on Jesus this morning. That you would draw us out of ourselves, out of our own ability, out of our own Strength out of our own confidence, and let us just lean into and and cling to and rely on and, and and feast upon Jesus this morning. And this is not something we can do in our own strength, but it is it is only by your empowering God. When we said that we were strong and our mountain would never be moved, Lord, we we just uh, God we we we. we relied so much on our own confidence but Lord when you hide your face from us God we're nothing but dismayed and so Lord we ask today that you would not hide your face from us but that you would enable us to worship and to hear and to respond to your word so God we give you the rest of this service and ask that you would infuse us with res- the resurrection life of Jesus in Jesus name we pray amen Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and
1: turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18 this morning. Uh, But before I start, I want to give a special shout out to Mr. Justin Kime and uh, wish him a very happy birthday. Justin has been uh, one of my best friends for many years uh, and been like a brother to me. And as you know, he and Landy have been faithful servants in our church uh, for such a long time. And I'm very thankful for you and hope you have a great day. So happy birthday. First um, Thessalonians five sixteen to 18. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and stand up um, and let me read it to you. This is what Paul writes. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the Lord. As Christians, I think that all of us would agree that giving thanks, having a thankful heart... ...is a good thing, something that should be important to us, something that we should strive for. I think that we would see thankfulness as an admirable quality. But at the same time, we're conditioned as a people to only give thanks when our circumstances are good. So when things are going really well, um, we naturally tend to be thankful and thank God for those things... But when our circumstances are difficult and challenging, uh, we ask God for help. We ask God for his mercy. We ask God for, for perseverance. We ask God for deliverance. And those things are, are good and right. But giving thanks is not typically our first response when things are challenging, when things are hard. So how important is it really for us as followers of Jesus, to be a people who give thanks, who are thankful in all circumstances. And I want to think about that this morning. I want to look at Matthew chapter 7 briefly. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is telling his disciples what life in this new kingdom looks like. So Matthew seven twenty one. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying, not everyone who says they're a Christian, not everyone who says they follow me actually follows me, but the one who does the will of my father. Um, It says in... uh, in 1 John chapter 2:17, Jesus says it like this. He says, "And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever." Now, that little phrase abides forever simply means eternal life. So, if we want eternal life with Christ, If we want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, then we must be a people who do the will of the Father in heaven. And church, God's will for your life, God's will for my life, is that we would be a people who give thanks in all circumstances. In every circumstance. And that includes... Today, that includes the circumstances that we find ourselves in today, in this moment. And again, it's it's easy for us, and it's natural for us to give thanks, to be thankful when things are going really well. Right? I remember uh, when Katie was pregnant with Ellie, and I remember going to the doctor for that first ultrasound appointment. And I remember seeing that little bean-shaped baby or however however big she was at the time. Um, but I remember getting to hear that heartbeat for the first time. And uh, many of you parents remember that experience. Um, and it, it was it was so joyous. It was so overwhelming. And I had such a feeling of gratitude in that moment. How could I not be grateful and give thanks in that moment? But I also remember uh, the next time that Katie was pregnant, I remember again going back to the doctor and expecting this this joyous experience again. And I remember that time uh, there not being a heartbeat. And um, there were so many emotions that I felt in that moment and throughout that day. Uh, but Thanksgiving, I'll be honest, was not at the forefront Uh, of what I was feeling and experiencing in that moment. And the Apostle Paul, if you read the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul was constantly finding himself in circumstances that were less than ideal. And that's putting it really mildly. Uh, We know that many of the letters he wrote to the churches... Uh, he actually wrote from prison. And so when, when he writes to the Philippian church to rejoice in the Lord always, he's writing that from a prison cell. And listen to this passage from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. This is verse 24 to 28. And Paul's just describing some of the experiences that he's had uh, in ministry. Listen to this. He writes five times I received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, And this is the guy who is telling us to give thanks in all circumstances. So today, in the middle of global upheaval caused by COVID-19, God's will for you and for me is that we would be a people of thanksgiving. And that's... That's easy to say, but a little harder to do, right? So, so what is it that, that we can, what is it that we should be giving thanks for in the midst of a global pandemic and a crashing economy? Well, we, uh, just sang the song 10,000 Reasons. So I want to give you 10,000 things this morning. Um, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, but, but honestly, we could, we could list so many things that we can give thanks for to the Lord today, in this moment. But I want to leave you this morning um, with six big things. Six big things that we can give thanks to the Lord for today, in this moment, in our circumstances today. The first is, give thanks that you woke up this morning and that you're alive today. Um, do you do that regularly? Do you give thanks to the Lord for a new day. We know from passages like Isaiah 40 that life is fragile, life is short. Isaiah writes in, in chapter 40: all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now think about grass, right? What happens to grass? It's, it's green and beautiful one moment. And and then it withers, it dies, it's it's here one moment and it's gone the next. And and church, if we're honest, we tend to, in the 21st century, really take it for granted that we're going to live a long life. And we're going to live to see our, our kids grow up. We're going we're to live to see our, our grandkids grow up. Maybe even live to see our great-grandkids. We're going to live to do all these different things on our bucket list. We're going we're to live to do this and that. But the truth is, is that Scripture never promises us a long life. It never does. A long life is never promised. In fact, even tomorrow... Is never promised to us. If, if you read the book of James, James says, don't boast about all these different things that you're gonna do. Don't boast of what you're gonna do tomorrow and in the days and years to come. But simply say, if it's God's will, then I'll do this and do that. But the reality is, is that every day that we wake up and are able to draw breath is a precious gift from our savior every beat of our heart is is a gift from god every moment that we get to spend with our loved ones is a gift from the lord every time that we get to gather as the body of christ in fellowship together is a precious gift from god so as christians no matter what the circumstance we echo the psalmist who says this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's from Psalm 118, verse 24. So give thanks, church. Give thanks for today. Secondly, give thanks for your adoption as sons and daughters of the living God. bought for you by the precious blood of Jesus. Listen to Romans 8, 15 and 16. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And listen, here's, here's the great thing about adoption. And it's that adoption is permanent. It's not some subjective state that changes from a moment, from one moment to the next. So, so it's not that we're adopted one moment, but then unadopted a moment later. It's not uh, something that we have to earn. It's not something that we have to, to work at to, to maintain. But our adoption as sons and daughters is the free gift of God given to us. So your status ...as a son, as a daughter of God this morning... ...is not affected by the circumstances that you find yourself
0: in. Right.
1: So, when people around us are dying... ...we're still adopted, we still belong to the Lord. If we lose a job, we still belong to the Lord, we're still His. If, if we're confined to our homes... We are still part of his family. If if we get sick, we are still adopted. No matter what happens around us or what happens to us, we are the children of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And no one and nothing can change that. So give thanks today. Third. Give thanks for more time with your family. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but being busy um, is an idol in our culture, especially here in the United States. Um, so much so that, that we actually feel like we're doing something wrong uh, if we're not busy. And so we pack our lives so full of stuff, so full of activities we pack our kids lives so full of stuff so full of activities that there's actually very little time for us to spend real quality time together as families so yeah you know we we spend a lot of time in the car together we we spend a lot of time at our sports practices and going to tournaments and going to lessons and going to this and that but actual actual time together as a family is so limited for many of us. Now, I've spoken to um, a lot of parents, a lot of couples over the years um, as a pastor, but also um, as a physical therapist. I, I I spend time with people and I talk to people all day long. And so I've, I've talked to so many people um, and in all the years, in all the conversations, I have never once heard a parent say, you know what? I wish I had spent less time with my kids when they were growing up. Um, I've never talked to a spouse who said, you know what, I wish I had invested less time and less energy into my marriage. I've never heard it, not one single time. Katie and I were watching a documentary the other day uh, about a famous chef. And it it tells the story um, of how he, you know, he comes from, from very little but becomes more and more successful and he wins all of these awards, these prestigious awards in the culinary world and he builds up this restaurant to where it becomes world famous where people travel from all over the world to, to eat at this restaurant. And, and he sat in front of the camera and he expressed regret. Regret that he wasn't there for his kids. As they were growing up. And a lot of us could maybe tell a similar story. And all of a sudden, many of us find ourselves in a situation where we are now forced to spend a lot of time together. And church, I thank God for that. I'm so thankful for that. And my prayer is, is that you and I would recognize that this is a precious gift from the Lord to us. This is an opportunity for us as families, as couples to reset what our priorities are in life because in the end, the best thing that you can do for your kids, the best thing you can do for your spouse, for your family is not making more money. And it's not helping them become a a better athlete or a better musician. It's not buying them more stuff. It's not providing more entertainment opportunities for them. The best thing that you can do for your family is to be present and to consistently point them to Jesus and to fellowship with His church. So give thanks today for the time that you have And make the most of it. Let's make the most of it. Let's not waste this gift that God's given us. Fourth, give thanks for the church. Give thanks for your church. I'm aware that as I talk about families, um, not all of you have families. Uh, Some of you live alone. Some of you are single. Some are widowed. Some are Divorced. Some of you have kids that have grown up now and left the home. But one of the great beauties of the gospel is that in Christ, we are never without family. I want you to listen to this passage from Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 46. It says, it's talking about, it's talking about the, the church. Um, after after Pentecost and and what what the church looked like, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad. And generous hearts. Now, the point of Acts chapter two um, is not that we all need to uh, move into a giant commune together, um, but the point of Acts two is that the gospel transformed relationship among believers. The gospel resulted in family-like relationships among believers. And one of God's intentions with His church is that the members would love each other and treat each other like family. Right? Listen to what Acts chapter 2 just described. Sharing with those in need. Breaking bread together. Worshipping together. Fellowshipping together. Being covenanted together. This is, this is a family-like relationship. Um, we are to bear one another 's burdens, as Galatians six tells us and it has been It has been one of the greatest challenges for Katie and I uh, to raise a young family um, without uh, without our parents and our siblings around um, some of them we don 't see for years and years at a time um, and, and that has been. That has been really, really hard um, at times. But one of our greatest joys has been being a part of the Northridge Life family. And and I want you guys to know, you are not just um, a group of people that we meet with once or twice a week, but you are truly um, like family to us. And for that, we give thanks. And church... My prayer is that the Lord would use these, these really difficult and challenging times to remind us all how precious, how precious the body of Christ is. And if being a part of the body has not been one of the utmost priorities in your life to this point, then I, I pray that that changes today. I pray that when this is over, we would, we would come together with a renewed joy, a renewed passion and zeal for fellowship together as the body of Christ. So give thanks for your church. Give thanks for leaders like Mark and Ginger who pour out their lives for us on a daily basis. Guys, I'm telling you, you you don't know the blood, sweat, and tears um, that come from them for you on a daily basis, but I just I'm just so thankful. So so give thanks for your leaders, give thanks for your church, for the body of Christ. What a precious gift from God. Uh, fifth, give thanks for the unique gospel opportunities that we have in a time like this. Uh, Matthew 6, again the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew six fourteen to 16 You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The darker the world around us gets, the greater the opportunity to shine brightly for the sake of Christ. The more hopeless people around us become, the greater the opportunity, as Peter exhorts us, to tell people the reason for the hope that is in us. That's from 1 Peter 3, 15. And church, this is one of the greatest opportunities of our generation, to proclaim the gospel to a fearful, hopeless, and hurting people. As we're surrounded by sickness, as we're surrounded by death, people need to hear of our Savior, Jesus, who conquered death through His incarnation, His perfect life, His his suffering, His substitutionary death, and atoning work, his descent into hell, his resurrection, and his ascension to the right hand of the Father. Through the gospel, we can look sickness and death in the face and say, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? I worked for a covenant health system here in town, and uh, a week or two ago, um, we had... Um, uh, kind of a company-wide moment of prayer where they wanted us all to sit down together and, uh, read a prayer together that, that someone from covenant had written out. And so we were all supposed to, to read this prayer together at, at nine in the morning. And, uh, so, uh, my coworkers know that I'm a pastor, and so typically when there's something like that happening, they'll they'll kind of turn to me to to facilitate and lead that, which I'm 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 thankful to be able to do that. Um, but I just really felt the Lord nudging me to take. Um, advantage of this opportunity. And so instead of just reading a little prayer on a card, um, I grabbed my Bible and I I turned to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul talks about being at a point in his ministry um, where he's just utterly, utterly lost hope um, and just in, in utmost despair. But then he says, he says, this happened So that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God who raises the dead. Mm -hmm. In him we have put our hope that he will deliver us and he will deliver us. And so I got to just um, share from the scripture with all of my coworkers in a big group and remind them of God's love for them and encourage them in these difficult times to turn to Jesus and to, to seek Jesus for all of their hope. Um, and then I got the opportunity to pray over them. And it, it was it was an opportunity unlike I've ever had before um, where I work, um, where I got to just preach the gospel to all of my coworkers at the same time. And I'm so thankful um, for opportunities like that. I know some of you have had um, some similar opportunities. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have new opportunities to announce the good news of Jesus, our Savior, during this time. And for that church, we should be so thankful. Mm-hmm. And uh, sixth, uh, sixth and finally, give thanks that Jesus is making all things new. Amen. Um, I love these verses from Revelation chapter 21 at the very end of the Bible. Revelation 21 Verse 3 through 5, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. See, Jesus, suffering and hard times in this life should always be a reminder to us that there is a much, much better life to come. And the truth is, church, that sometimes sometimes hardship and suffering are necessary in order for us to not become too comfortable in this world, in this life. That's why that's why James can say, James chapter one, give thanks when you when you face trials of all kinds. And, and he goes on to say that the suffering that we endure helps us to become mature and complete, not lacking anything. He's saying, give thanks for suffering because suffering helps you to become more like Jesus. Through suffering, through hardship, we're able to, to let go of the world and, and cling more tightly to Jesus. And for that, we should give thanks. sickness and death and hardship and suffering is a reminder that the world is passing away. But it should also be a reminder that Jesus is ushering in a new heavens and a new earth. And in the new heavens, and the new earth, there won't be any sickness anymore. There won't be any death. There won't be any economic turmoil. There won't be any loneliness. There won't be isolation anymore. There won't be any anxiety or uncertainty. But there will be Jesus. And Jesus himself will embrace you and will wipe every tear from your eyes. Our immediate futures are uncertain, right? We don't, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, we don't know what the coming weeks and months are going to look like. Um, uh, we don't know uh, what our jobs, what our businesses are going to look like. Um, we don't know what our health will be like in the coming weeks. Um, Our immediate futures are uncertain, but a glorious future awaits all of those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so for that, today and every day and always, we give thanks.
0: Amen.
2: Thank you, Pastor Dave. What an amazing word that was. If you've joined us a little bit late, um, we're now going to celebrate uh, together the sacrament of communion. And so if you would, if you have not already, um, go ahead and um, uh, take a, a couple of uh, elements that would be suitable for communion, whether that's bread, crackers, and juice that you have uh, in your home um, as we prepare uh, to, to take communion together. Um, As uh, as I was preparing for this and kind of thinking through um, the sacrament of communion, um, I was reminded reading through the scriptures um, that it was, in fact, on the night that he was betrayed uh, that Jesus took the bread and broke it and the cup. And I was struck by that phrase, on the night in which he was betrayed. And uh, I uh, was reminded um, that the only thing... Uh, that distinguished Judas from the other eleven was the grace of God. The only thing that kept the other eleven from being the betrayers was the sovereign grace of God, and, and he was about to give his life and his blood for their salvation, and therefore the only thing that distinguishes and separates me. From the other eleven, uh, from Judas, um, is the grace of God. The only thing that saves me is His broken body and His shed blood. The scriptures say that on the night that He was betrayed, Jesus took bread and He blessed it and He broke it and He said, "Take, eat. This is My body, broken for you." And in the same way, he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, Drink of it, each of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, my blood poured out for you. Lord, we're grateful for your broken body, we're grateful for your shed blood. Without your sacrifice, we were not only hopeless. We were helpless. You, on your initiative, gave your life for us. We give you thanks, and we have done this, Lord, as a proclamation of your death until you come. We bless your name, and we give you thanks for our salvation. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank
1: you, Paul. Um, I want to close by leaving you with a benediction this morning, so if you would... Uh, Place your hands in the receiving uh, posture. Um, I have a really, really long one for you this morning. So ready? Uh, This is from Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We love you guys. Go be the light of the world. And we'll see you next week.